Hey everyone, this is Ron again with my uh, uh, podcast. Um, this is my third time doing this. Hopefully, I'm getting better by the minute. Uh, today with me is uh, Sam Buckenmeyer, right? Buckenmeyer, yeah. Yep. Buckenmeyer, yes, I did it. Uh, <laughs> Sam Buckenmeyer, she's from Stanton House. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do. What do you currently do, Sam? Yeah, so I have obviously work for for Stanton House. Um, originally from. Maryland area, grew up out there, and then a Chicago transplant, I like to say. I've been here for a couple of years. Um, been with Stanson House for, for about a year and a half now. Um, I work as a senior consultant focusing mainly on kind of leadership and exec searches. So I work a lot with kind of C-level execs in the, the cybersecurity arena. Perfect. Thank you. Um, what is Stanton House? What do you guys do? Yeah, no, of course. So we are a global recruitment company. Um, we do have offices in different parts of the world that specialize in different areas of recruiting. But in our Chicago U.S. office, like I said, where I'm based, all we focus on is information and cybersecurity recruitment. Um, so like I said, I work very closely with leadership and C-level execs. We also have a team that works with analysts, architects, and engineers, um, and we build out security functions for on behalf of companies across the, the whole of the United States with a little bit of work up in Canada, but mainly in the, the US. Okay, awesome. So how did you get to be a recruiting consultant in Stanton House uh, dealing in cybersecurity? Yeah, so I feel like as most recruiters will sometimes tell you, um, I kind of fell into it, honestly. I was a COVID graduate, um, and that was not a good job market to be graduating in. Um, so I, everything was on hiring freezes, I'm sure, sure you know. But as I was kind of looking for something new, I ended up actually working for um, an AmeriCorps program, which is basically a domestic Peace Corps. So I was doing a lot of work on food insecurity in a collegiate world um, in Rockford, Illinois, and I was, I was looking for something new. One of the things that I really liked about that particular job was the relationship building, the talking to people, learning about people's journeys um, in order to you know best help them. And recruiting just seemed like a natural next step for me. So I started to, to pursue it a bit more. Came across Stanson House and I was interviewing with them along with a couple others. But I, I feel like what stood out to me the most here was how human and genuine people were at, at this company. Everybody had a purpose. They just wanted to make the cybersecurity world better and do that by being able to place, you know, really top tier talent and just good people into to the roles that we work. Um, so I didn't know anything about cybersecurity getting into it, kind of just started and jumped in with both feet, um, learned a lot early on. Um, and I mean, like I said, at the core, it's just building relationships, which I, I really like to do. So being able to, to talk to people on a daily basis and kind of work with, with individuals and help them find their new best thing was really exciting for me. Um, and as we've grown up the team and grown out the team, I've kind of moved up in, in the company. Um, and now I'm, I'm a senior level here and we're a team of six um, at the moment with a global, you know, a, a U.S. presence of about 20. Awesome. Um, quick question for you about the skills that newcomers, after they broke in, which is a very hard to break into cybersecurity these days, after they broke in, what are the top three skills that, that managers are looking for, uh, top managers are looking for to promote these kind of people, newcomers? Um, what do they need to work on um, after they got through the door? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I obviously think on the technical side, I'm not going to get into that side too much because it really depends on where you want to go with the technical, whether, you know, which, which route you're going down, depending on what entry level cybersecurity position you're in. But I do think 
there are some really important soft skills to take with that that technical side as well. I think with security, it changes so quickly and it adapts so quickly. One of the most important things that you have to have is just an innate desire to learn and continue learning. Because I feel like as soon as you stop reading about what's going on, you know, you're like six months behind. So I think at the base, just figuring out what you can do to continuously not only improve the posture of the company, but also improve the the skill set that you have. Um, and that's through kind of figuring out cutting edge technology, whether it's in cloud or whether it's in, you know, continuing up your, your coding skills, stuff like that. But just really making sure that you have the avenue and the the want and the desire to continue that that learning is, is a big one. I would also think the second one I would say is probably the ability to communicate, um, both in terms of what you are doing on a daily basis, but also making sure that you can communicate what you're doing to your your higher ups in order to have and provide some insight into your your day to day. Because a lot of times, if you're on a larger team, those things can kind of get missed. Those day to day, you know, small wins I like to call them. Um, but being able to communicate those small wins to your your peers and your mentors and your bosses is really going to get you noticed. Um, and, you know, self-promotion, people don't always like to do because it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's really important in terms of trying to find that next promotion and that next step. And then I think the, the third is honestly acting in the role that you want to be promoted into. So, if you identify the next step, either from, you know, your manager is telling you what the next step is, ask them questions about what a person in that role looks like, what they need to be doing, and then just start acting in that way. A lot of times when you're promoted, you've already been working in that role in some way, shape, or form for quite some time. So it's a very natural next step and natural progression. So the more that you can act in those behaviors or take on additional projects that you know a senior level may be taking on ask your peers who are in that position if you can get involved in any projects just all those little opportunities are really important to take you know initiative and and get involved in while also communicating that you're doing this to your your managers to help with that that insight so i would say those are probably Well, I love I love the last one. Act uh, uh, is the role that you want. That's mm-hmm. that's that that advice is definitely gold. Um, what percentage of jobs you you see that are truly one hundred percent remote, and do you think that trend is gonna continue? It's 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 a question that a, a lot of hire new hires, newcomers, and also uh, current employees would yeah. like to know. Yeah, it is the uh, the golden question, and I wish I had the the crystal ball to say an exact answer, but I think from From my perspective, I would like to see it to continue. And I think we have been seeing it continue, at least since the security world. Honestly, like 98% of the roles that we all currently work are 100% remote. Um, or, you know, you have an option to go into the office with a full remote option as well. I think the reason for that being is during COVID, there was an obvious spotlight on culture, on company culture, on also just personal values of what's important for people because it forced an absolute slowdown for the first time in a very long time of all of you know the us and the world just to stop for a little bit and reevaluate which is a big silver lining in my opinion of covid um 
And I think that led to candidates learning how to drive a bit more of the narrative they want forward. And a lot of that has to do with remote work. So we were working remote for two years. We were successful for two years. I want to keep this way. And if you're not going to let me, I know other places will. So that's the, the interesting aspect that we're facing right now is some of the candidates that I'm talking to are only on a job search because they they're being forced to go back into the office five days a week. So the companies that are not having that remote flexibility are losing their, their really strong talent for companies that are adapting. So those that are not adapting because, you know, old ways or because they think people are more productive in the office are really going to continue to, to fall behind the, the times and continue to not only be able to fill roles, but also be able to, you know, start losing more and more talent. Yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. And I've seen a lot of job application, job descriptions out there. Uh, they say that they're fully 100% remote, but if you look at the fine print, they say we need you in the office uh, two days a week. Yeah, which is not really fully remote. Yeah, I actually had a story. I was talking to somebody today that got a job offer, was going to start, yeah. was said it was fully remote, and then they said while he had his offer in hand, oh, actually, we're all going back into the office next month. <laughs> so it's important to ask the question. And the other big tip that I, I talk to my candidates about and just tell individuals is if it says it's remote work, get that in the contract because you don't, you know, it, it's just a little bit safer to, you know, cover just in case they, they do decide to change their mind. Yep. Any tips of what else to ask for in, a con in an employment contract? That's a good question. So I think... In an employment contract, I think that's that's a good one. Is in terms of um, just the the, I mean, what I just mentioned. But I also think sometimes I've noticed that a bonus or any stock options will not be outlined in a contract. So I, I dealt with a situation about a year ago with a company that said that there was like it was like two years or something of guaranteed RSUs, and then they would be doubled after those two years and that was nowhere in the contract it was almost it was just a a, a trust kind of type moment um and we went back and forth for a while and ultimately they they did just end up adding it to the contract not by any means was there probably anything sneaky or going on or anything like that but we explained it more so as it's just a, a big comfort point that you for the the candidate because a lot of things can happen in a couple years so by having it outlined in the contract by having it you know, worded, it just, it creates a little bit more comfort. So if for any reason, a, an offer doesn't outline the extras, so those RSUs, those bonuses, that kind of stuff, have a conversation as to why and see if that can be added as well. Yeah, that's, uh, I agree with that. I, I've worked with some startups and it was, there was a lot of due diligence when it came to, you know, RSUs, to so the stock option, it, it, it went through a lot of iterations before it finally got to a signature day. It's, it's important things to look for uh, in your employment contract. Now, before mm -hmm. we continue, uh, if anybody wants to ask Sam a question, uh, you can do it in the comments. I'll put them on the screen and, and Sam will be happy to answer those questions. Um, one more question, a couple more questions. How do you show, how does someone shows a manager uh, that they're ready to get promoted? You, you said act like you're, um, the first tip was act like you're already doing that the job that you want to. What, Give me two other things that you, you can show to a manager to, to get a promotion. Yeah. So there's a couple things that I would recommend. Um, the first thing is I, I'm a big <clears throat> proponent that 
you can do all the good work in the world throughout the year, but it can be hard to remember, honestly, what you've done and what you've accomplished between whether it's a yearly appraisal or whether it's, you know, every six months, depending on on the time period. Um, And when you get to those appraisals and it's time to talk about yourself and talk about your successes, when you're sitting the day before prepping for it, you know, you're, you're kind of figuring out where, where did I go? What did I do this in this past six months? So I, I recommend both um, for honestly anybody who is in a, a professional role, keeping what's called, I call brag book. I actually got this tip from someone that I was talking to about, you know, four months ago who was working very closely with women and how to negotiate and all that stuff. She, she mentioned the, the brag book. Um, so basically all it is, is it's whether a notes note app in your phone or on an iPad or on a piece of paper or whatever. Um, and it's keeping track of small wins and major wins that you've done. So whether it's by uh, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, just having written down the actual successes that you've had. And this all goes back to that visibility type thing, because your manager can't have eyes on what you're doing at all times. So it's really important that you're your own self-advocate as well. Um, That's why I recommend having all of those wins written down. So when it's time to get into an appraisal or, or your yearly meeting with your, your boss or a negotiation or a job offer, anything like that, um, you have such good qualitative data to back up exactly why you need that promotion, you need that pay raise, anything, because you really have it all written down. And it's hard to argue with that that kind of data. I think the second thing that I would say, um, I think peer feedback is extremely powerful. Um, I know we try to, to have feedback, you know, in our company twice yearly, we all sit down with each other. We talk about both what people do really well and what people may need to, to improve upon. Um, and I think when I have been going into a promotion meeting or anything like that, I will ask my peers for feedback on how I've I've performed against certain points. And it's really nice to get an outsider's viewpoint as well, not only for yourself, but also for, for that management to see that you're not only having an impact in your own job, but you're affecting and you're impacting the others around you as well. So I would say those couple of things are, are really valuable to, to take to a, a conversation like that. Okay. That's awesome. These are some great advices. Somebody put in a hashtag, have a brag book. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I was looking them up. You can literally, you can buy like brag books on an Amazon or online. Oh, they're, they're, they're wow. Cool. So I, I, didn't I, even, I didn't even know you can, you can buy, like I just use like notepad or something. Go ahead. This is what I did a running list. Okay. Yeah, uh, you but, can certainly uh, do that too. But I mean, having an actual brag book is also pretty cool. I know. And then have like a, put it on a, like a, a board in your office. Hey, mm-hmm. this is what boss, this is what I did. It's all here. Yeah. And I think it also, I mean, as a manager, another thing that you could do is have like a brag company and everybody can put their wins on, on that, that wall. Cause I think it's just really good for, really good for celebration and supporting each other. And it creates a very, it creates a fundamental culture of of celebrations, which I think can be, you know, really important, especially in you know harder times and recession and all that stuff. So celebrating the the small wins are definitely important. Yep, I agree. Smaller wins are very important. There's sometimes they're more important than the big ones because it shows the the stepping stones you you did to get to that big uh, achievement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got congratulations, you got a promotion. But now there's a, a conversation about, okay, you got a promotion and this is your pay. How do you negotiate a pay increase when you get promoted? 
Mm -hmm. It's definitely not easy. And I think the what's not easy about it is when you're negotiating a a pay raise, it is hard to put a number on yourself without having data to back it up. And if you haven't figured out by now, I'm really big on data. Um, but one of the things that I recommend when individuals are are trying to figure out where to go, where to even ask for a pay raise, figuring out what's market rate, because that's that's pretty that's the hardest part. It's not so much asking; it's what's fair. Um, so I typically recommend there's a couple ways that you can do it. Talking to your network is very, very valuable. So wherever you are in your career, there's always going to be somebody that's either at that level, above you, has advice, a mentor, anything like that. And if you don't have those people, I strongly recommend you find a group because um, that the, that ability to bounce ideas and needs off of is, is really important. And just start talking. I, I would just say start talking to those people who are in similar roles, see what, you know, have an open conversation about comp, open it with, I don't even know where to begin. I'm, I'm asking for a pay raise. I'm nervous. I need to figure out. I want to come up with some data. And people are going to be more open than you would think about talking about it. Because at the end of the day, most people just really want to help the community and they want to help individuals succeed. So having that open conversation with individuals that you know will give you some small data points to start off of where you can start benchmarking yourself on where you are. The other thing that I strongly recommend is talking to people like me. Um, cybersecurity recruiters, we are in the market day in and day out. This is all I do. I talk to a lot of people. I know a lot of people's salaries. We have a salary guide that we put together. Um, we've done a, a Reddit a, AUA where we discuss salaries and we discuss how to break into cybersecurity, all of those little things. Um, we have learned a lot. So if you are unsure where to benchmark yourself, reach out and ask the question. We're more than happy to, to help in that capacity. So I think a little bit of background to give when you're asking that question is just discussing some of your, your background, perhaps what you're currently doing, um, where your promotion is taking you, and where your current salary is, and just trying to benchmark where you want to go. Um, and Myself, my team, and I, I'm sure other cybersecurity recruiters out there as well will be more than upfront and more than happy to help you get that pay rise, be very real with what the expectations are, and get you to that next step. But I think a lot of it is just surrounding talking, having those open conversations, getting that that data, and then bringing it again to to that conversation that you're going in with that, that management. Yeah, perfect. <clears throat> These are some great answers. This is some great information here, Sam. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, of um, course. A couple of more questions. What traits do companies look for when uh, looking for leaders in the cybersecurity uh, space? And I'm talking about soft skills. Everybody can upscale when it talks to, when we were talking about technical skills. It's it's you know you take a YouTube class, you you take a, yeah. uh, uh, a try hack me or some things like that, and you upscale your technical skills. But what are some of the soft skills that that companies are looking for when they're looking for leadership roles? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I, I definitely think the soft skills are becoming much more important than they used to be in terms of cybersecurity leadership. A lot of times I would hear individuals getting new roles or talk to new individuals in senior leadership who very much just needed to come from a technical background, kind of grew in their role, and they were just the natural progression was, was leadership. Um, 
But I think there has definitely been an adjustment on the type of leader that companies are looking for as the field is growing and as the meaning of the role is growing as well. I think probably the biggest aspect that you need is just the ability to communicate and communicate effectively. And what I mean by that is you are going to be working with non-security, non-technical folks probably more often than your own team in terms of asking for budget, in terms of talking with other C-level execs in the company or other managers or other directors. And when discussing harder issues surrounding, typically surrounding budget, honestly, um, it is really important that you go into that conversation with the knowledge that these people may not have that technical knowledge that you do, may not know the risks quite as much as you do. So it is your job to educate them in a way that they're going to understand, they're going to um, be able to perform against and be able to earn mm -hmm. that, that budget. So it, it's really, it's really just comes down to communication and constant communication because we all know, I mean, security is a, a money protector they don't really make the company money typically. So being able to discuss the risks, the needs, and the and the necessary tools to continue to upskill, to continue to be on the cutting edge of that business in terms of protection and security is, is definitely imperative. I would say the other thing that I would recommend is it all, it, again, it goes back to culture. So like I talked about before, there's been a spotlight on culture. Culture is exceedingly important for employees. That's one of the top things that I get asked in terms of a new, a new um, client that I'm working on behalf. So I think being able to listen just as much as communication effectively, you need to be able to listen, listen to the people that are working for you, listen to where they are having issues, where they see the, the, the company going, where they see the, the culture going and help be an ambassador for that change, for that shift and for that continuation of, of good culture. Because that's going to be something that's, that's really important in both keeping and, and retaining talent. Is culture carries the same weight now that most people want to be remote? I would say so. The thing is, is I think sometimes culture and remote do go hand in hand, as weird as that kind of sounds sometimes. But if you're thinking about the culture of an overall company, it's the culture to really allow and trust your employees to do what they need to do and allow them to have their own values and their own lives at the, at the end of the day. So remote work is culture. Perfect. Yeah, it's a good answer. Uh, I have a question here, and if, again, if you has if you guys have any kind of questions, please put them in the comments. I uh, will read them here, and Sam was going to answer them. Uh, are you guys planning to expand to Canada anytime soon? Ideally, there's no no plans at the at the moment. Um, so, like I said, we do a little bit of work up in Canada, but that's mainly when our U.S. clients are are hiring out of Canada. Um, we've had a couple situations like that, but at the moment, we're we haven't broken into the Canada market market at yet but maybe there's an idea there <laughs> um so <clears throat> we're not doing so well when it comes to the economy any mm -hmm. tips of how to better send the storm let's just say um something that in you can do doing or... in terms of your work right now you're you're in a work you're in a cybersecurity uh job right now you, you're you're good how do you you know protect yourself or future proof yourself um um, in case something happens? 
Right. So the thing that's interesting is you can always have predictions of a recession, but you're never really going to know you're in a recession until you're out of it. Um, So I always tell my team that if things are starting to slow down, if, you know, we have maybe a little less jobs on due to hiring freezes or anything like that, and this goes for everybody in any job, um, that is one of the best times to have the ability to work on the the small points because you're not as crazy busy with everything, with the daily life, with the daily, you know, just work, um, work pressures. So that's when you can really dig down into the details, either with yourself or with your team and perfect the smaller points that sometimes gets brushed under the rug a little bit when things get busy and ignored. Um, I I always say it's really important to self-reflect a little bit, see where you can spend some time on and adjust and perfect. And then that's only going to make you better when you are busy again and when you are back in a, a thriving economy. Great tip. So we, we spoke about things you should do when asking for a promotion, how to show is, is there things that you shouldn't do that are going to hinder your, your progression in the company? Yeah, I, I would say there are some individuals that will refrain from discussing what they've done and how they benefited the company. So it's almost like a fear of a fear of having an ego almost. And I always say an interview or an appraisal, that's when you shouldn't be afraid to have an ego. Those people that don't talk about themselves and talk about what they've done are perhaps sometimes the ones that maybe not be are not being promoted as fast as they would like or as fast as they feel they deserve. Um, And that can be dangerous territory because as soon as you start feeling like, oh, I deserve this promotion, I need to get there, great mentality, but also look back on what you've you've talked about, what you've shown, what you've done in order to actually have visibility surrounding that promotion. Because like I said before, a manager can't see everything. So you have you do have to take it on yourself to discuss what you've done and how successful you've been for the team and for the company in order to get that that next step. Yeah. I see it's yeah. So if somebody wants to get a hold of Staten House, how would they do that? So do you have a website mm-hmm. that people can go and see open roles, open positions? We do. Yep. So we have so we ha- we have a couple ways to do that. Um we have our site we have a cybersecurity at stantonhouse.com. My colleague James is actually in the chat, so maybe he can, if he's still here, he can pop that email in the the chat. Um, But again, it's just cybersecurity at stantonhouse.com. We post all of our roles on all of our profiles, myself, my whole team members who are all linked on my LinkedIn page. We post our roles every single Friday. um, So you can see all of our roles, salaries included. um, And... If you want to learn more about it, you can reach out to myself, my whole team, and inquire about any of the roles, and we can kind of discuss if it would be a, a good fit for, for the, both parties. Um, and then we also have a jobs list via email that goes out um, that you can sign up for by emailing cybersecurity and just letting us know that you will want to be included in that, that email um, blast for, for, the, 
for the jobs list. And then last thing, we have a cybersecurity jobs group um, that I'm sure, again, James will post that. There he goes. He posted the link to our jobs group um, that, again, we post all of our a deeper dive of the roles that we have um, into that group, um, which are currently the the U.S. based. And the last thing, we have a hashtag sitting house cybersecurity jobs or cyber jobs, which you can follow where, again, we post all of our roles. So they're not a secret. <laughs> so this is the email address, right? Cybersecurity at sethouse.com. Yeah, that's correct. Perfect. So if anybody wants to copy it, you can also watch this uh, later on on LinkedIn Live. So it's recorded. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you very much, Sam. I really appreciate it. And I think everybody else also appreciate it. Uh, let's see if we have any more questions. Uh, James posted the uh, <laughs> the link. He also said that you have a cozy sweater. It is. It is very cozy. <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> and he was asking where you got it. So he, he probably That's wants to go surprising. shopping. <laughs> I knew he would make one, one cheeky comment at some point. <laughs> and let's put this on the screen. Also, LinkedIn.com group and the group number. And the hashtag also. Perfect. Thank you, James. We appreciate the help. <laughs> awesome. I think we're all done here. So this was great. Like this is some of the best advice I've heard in a while for people that uh, want to uh, get a leadership role in cybersecurity. Sam, I really appreciate it. James, uh, <laughs> thank you for being uh, my helper for this one. <laughs> I also appreciate it. Um, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you very much, James. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, Ron. Bye-bye.